Global law and global business go hand in hand, but never seem to keep pace with each other. Developing and developed nations wax and wane in their importance in the global stage. While consumption and interconnectedness both increase, laws and regulations change incessantly, requiring businesses to stay nimble. How do we make sense of it all? Welcome to Global Law and Business, hosted by Harris Brickens International Business Attorneys. I'm Fred Rockford. And I'm Jonathan Bench. Every Thursday, we take a bite-sized look at legal and economic developments in locales around the world as we try to decipher global trends in law and business with the help of our international guests. We cover continents, countries, regimes, governance, finance, legal developments, and whatever is trending on Twitter. We cover the important, the seemingly unimportant, the relatively simple, and the complex. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Please connect with us via email and social media to comment and suggest future topics and guests. Today we turn our attention to Chile. In recent months, the country has been associated with the mass protests against the government of President Sebastián Piñera. According to most observers, at the root of these protests are Chile's dramatic inequalities. Indeed, the country's Gini coefficient, which measures inequality, is the highest within the OECD. The unrest in Chile has cast a shadow over the narrative of Chile as a rare success story in economically mismanaged Latin America. At the same time, we should not lose sight of what Chile has done right, thanks to its embrace of free market principles, export-led growth, and fiscal discipline. The country's per capita income is nearly twice the regional average. It may be the most unequal country in the OECD, but then again, it is the only South American member of that elite group and only one of three Latin American countries classified by the World Bank as high income, with the other two being much smaller economies. With us today to discuss how Chile is moving ahead are two Chilean lawyers, Juan Cristobal Palma Orellana and Mario Tapa Echeverria. Juan and Mario, welcome. Thank you, Fred. Thank you, Fred. Juan and Mario, thank you for being with us today. We're, we're very excited to learn more about your backgrounds and about uh, what's going on in Chile. Could we start with Juan? Would you give us a little bit of your background uh, about yourself and your, and your legal practice? Thank you, Jonathan. Well, I'm a, I'm a lawyer. I'm the former head of digital government in the Chilean Ministry Secret, General Secretariat of the Presidency. I've been a counselor at Corfo's Strategic Industries Program, and member of the board at the Latin American Caribbean Electronic Government Network. So currently I'm practicing in, in the tech fields, IP and tech fields uh, here in Chile. And I am the founder of well, my office called the, the Legal Agile. So that's what I am uh, I'm addressing, I, I would like to address those subjects in this presentation. It's a pleasure to attend this podcast. Thank you, Jonathan and Fred, for the invitation, and also to my Chilean colleague, Juan Cristóbal, whom I share this tribune. Uh, as, I, as you know, my name is Mario Davia. I'm a Chilean lawyer, uh, and along with four partners, we run a 20 lawyers law firm called Castellendo Madrid, Luguman, and Tavia, focused in the national resources regulation. Uh, we are very specialized in mining law energy, water rights, environmental, fishing, and aquaculture law. And also we have a judicial area which is critical for these industries that we normally attend. 
I'm focused in fishing and agriculture law. Uh, that is my expertise area. Uh, and also have some practice in corporate law. Thank you both for those introductions. Turning to, to the matter of, of the protests uh, with which many of our listeners will be, will be familiar, um, again, Chile has undergone significant social convulsions starting in October of last year. Uh, I would like it if you both could share your thoughts about these events and specifically the impact that they have had on the Chilean economy. Uh, I know that the issue of COVID-19 is complicating the, the issues related to, to the unrest. Um, so I would like to hear your thoughts about that as well. And, and finally, and I think this is very important given everything that's going on right now here in the United States, um, we, I'd be really interested in, in hearing what, uh, what you think about possible lessons that uh, other countries can learn about uh, what has happened in Chile over the past few months. So uh, perhaps, uh, Mario, you could, you could share your thoughts first, and then Juan? Well, as indicated at the, at the beginning of this uh, presentation, um, indeed, one of the things that are at the root of the protest since uh, October last year is the inequality that we have as a country. Uh, in the 90s, we had had a great economic growth Chile opened up to the world and began to generate bridges and trading partners such as China, Europe, and the U.S. That mean a major trade along with the generation of jobs in Chile. I believe that Chile made a great progress on that thanks to the free market principles and the promotion of appropriate regulation for these proposals, including foreign investment structures. It managed to improve road infrastructure increased the educational structure, and managed to reach places further away from society. The strong momentum of the economy allowed many people to lift out from uh, of extreme poverty and reduce it sharply. However, it, it failed to break the inequality gap. Uh, we remain as not uh, as an inclusive, inclusive society. I am very confident that the challenge is there. We need to break that inequality gap. The fact of living in a not inclusive society, along with the poor development in public policies, for example, education, health, and help a social outburst. We have a lot of people with access to the healthy system, but impossible to aid. Many people with access to credit to buy houses and cars, but they operate with banking interests that are not possible to be paid, with access to education, but not to the best education. Uh, we are living now the cost of the economic development and social advances, uh, advancement of those years. Uh, um, uh, the, but the claim that we have uh, now as a society relies on that issues. Uh, we think that uh, is in the root of that last year protest. Um, and we thought this year was going to be a year of improving these inequalities and working on structural changes to achieve this. We stumble upon a pandemic that has only meant further deepening that gap, and not only in areas of the education, health, but also in economy, in the economic one. Precisely, the most vulnerable people are the ones that loses their jobs in times of crisis, faces the greatest dilemma with the COVID today, and, and, and they are the ultimately people most affected. Fortunately, Chile has had in in the past an austere policy of fiscal spending, 
which has allowed uh, saving and resources for times like this. Uh, and from that perspective, uh, uh, implementing policies uh, goes in the benefit of uh, those people more, more affected. In connection with the lessons that we, you said, uh, Fred, I believe that countries should give themselves time to listen, the demands, the needs from the people, uh, but they must also do it responsible. Structural reforms requires time of analysis and studies, uh, and I don't think it appropriate uh, to structure relevant change uh, in a country in a short period of time. I do agree with everything that Mario stated. Uh, I believe that uh, the main problem till the phase is that, is that we have a, a model based on economic growth without taking into consideration the social sustainability, which is not a surprise for anybody here because all the, all the demands from the, the social society, from the academics and from, and from and being part of the public agenda had stated that, that uh, the problems in education, the problems in healthcare, uh, and and the problems from from opportunities for development for for people who are not uh, part of the of the wealthy or the wealthiest uh, population in Chile are really restricted uh, in 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 bringing conditions for for human dignity. Uh, so one of the what uh, what led into the social outburst was mainly years of not attending these problems that were manifest. As, as you know, uh, Chile has the same constitution since the Pinochet's uh, dictatorship. We only had a, a constitutional reform in 1989 and then in 2005, just to guarantee some uh, minimum uh, constitutional warranties, but it wasn't enough. So after nearly 30 years of, of having the, the need of constitutional reforms in the public agenda, it just led into a point where it just, uh, it, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't uh, a situation that could be more uh, uh, tolerable. For, for society. So it led into a symbolic, a symbolic um, a situation in which some students just skipped the subway, which it brought uh, the reaction from the government into some phrases from ministers that were intolerable for, for the society, and society as a whole, which led to uh, manifestations of 1,200,000 people in the streets of Santiago. Then it went, uh, there the went nationwide, and then had some riots, which moved forward uh, the political agenda to make, to address into these constitutional changes. So I believe the, the main reason, as Mario stated, is to listen, to listen to people. Uh, we are living in times where people is more uh, empowered regarding the rights, and they're more empowered regarding taking into actions. So they're more willing to change the political representatives. They're more willing to, to change the governments and to make, uh, to make uh, more profound uh, reforms, both to the, to the legal system and both to the, and, and to the social 
scheme. So the, the thing and how we can address this situation and what would be my recommendation is that knowing that people now is more empowered and with the new technologies, it's more easy to move forward into these changes and to generate influences in the agenda. Uh, governments, uh, enterprises, uh, decision makers have to have to be more willing to um, be more willing and more open to uh, incorporate all the different stakeholders into the decision making of how we uh, think about the country in the future. So I believe that's the that's a big challenge. Uh, but it's a necessity for today's times um, and how we do business, how we do politics, how we do public policies, on how on how we we have to address this kind of of matters in the future. Now we'd like to turn to your areas of expertise. Juan, could we start with you? You're specialized in intellectual property, data protection, tech sector. Can you describe to us the panorama in Chile when it comes to these areas? We know you played a key role in the development of the Chilean digital agenda. Could you tell us a little bit about that, in particular, its expected impact on the economy and Chile's position as an investment destination? Even though, even though Chile uh, has had some tough times regarding the social outburst and now with the coronavirus pandemic as uh, the rest of the world, uh, our country is well known for being a, a, a very serious country regarding the, the, the protections of, of right uh, um, and the economical stability. And surely we will find a way to, to, to advance into all the required uh, constitutional changes and to, and to reinvent some of the strategic business models that we have in our country. They're having some complications right now due to the world the world situation but without any doubts i will look Chile as one of the uh, one of the countries in which to invest in the in the short term uh, why this because uh even though we're having these tough times as i told they're not uh into the public agenda any kind of of substantial changes in how we have been doing business or how, how we face and we understand our economical model in the, in the, in the political agenda. Uh, and, and that's something that we, we, we face with a lot of commitment uh, from all the political parties, right and left sides. And the challenge will be how we can make more participant of the, the society in this economic growth, but not to change the, the way we have been doing business uh, in, in the last 20 years. So, and, and, and in this regard, in particular in the tech industry, well, the tech industry is just increasing and increasing and getting bigger and we're exporting a lot of of services right now in chile uh, nowadays we have a demand for 
or a, a, a demand for 50,000 uh, software developments just to satisfy the internal needs of, of software development. Uh, so you can expect to be this one of the crucial companies uh, to uh, for doing for doing business and to expand uh, the 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 new economies here in Chile. So uh, regarding IP, regarding intellectual property rights, we're nowadays uh, sadly we're still into the into the US into the US trade representatives priority watch list as a country. Uh, we have some recommendations regarding the protection of intellectual property rights, but we're addressing some of some of those recommendations with some brief legal reforms. We're introducing into our industrial property law regarding trademarks and patents. Uh, mainly something that is very, very substantial is that nowadays in Chile, you don't need to use um, uh, trademarks or marks for to to apply for the for the the trademark rights for your company. That will change. So now probably, uh, as expected, we'll face uh, situations in which we have a more more movement into this market. And, and all the property, industrial property, intellectual property rights will be strengthened to looking forward to comply with the U.S. with the U.S. recommendations. Uh, and, and also um, to address some of the important changes that all companies making business will have to have to forward because it, it, it's part of the of of, of the short term. A legal agenda is that uh, we're making we're making changes in our data privacy and protection law. One of the most important legal changes we're facing right now in Chile is regarding the privacy and data protection protection law, which will which changes to to get a more solid and strong. A legal framework for data compliance and data compliance and treatment in Chile, which takes many of the elements of the RGPD from the European Union, and mainly will 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 require data data compliance programs in Chile, and to change many of the of the. And, and will change the framework in how companies right now have to have to treat and to elaborate databases right now. So I believe that is the most important change uh, currently in the in the expected short-term legal agenda. Turning to you, Mario, you are a fishing and aquaculture law expert. It is my understanding that these are industries that play a critical role in the Chilean economy. Uh, I'd like to hear more about your role uh, as a legal advisor to companies in these sectors. What does that work involve? Do you actually get to uh, visit a lot of the the, uh, the facilities that um, these companies uh, operate? I'm just, just, uh, just curious about that. 
Um, I would also like to hear a little bit more about opportunities that might exist for inbound investment uh, by, by foreign companies that have experience in, in these sectors, and also about uh, prospects for outbound uh, expansion by Chilean businesses. Thank you, Fred, for your question. Yes, I think uh, the first thing that uh, I would like to address here is that um, fishing activity is very different from aquaculture activity. They are both different kind of uh, activities. Huh? While both share the fact that they rely on fisheries, the nature of the activity in both cases are completely different. Uh, in the fishing activity, we, we go to cash, uh, to fish, uh, that the, the fish is raised in the, in the sea, the sea feed, feed uh, and deliver it to us. Uh, while in the, in the aquaculture activity, uh, what we do there is uh, we care of the fish. Uh, we raise it, feed, uh, and then we harvest. Uh, so like uh, one thing is that the, the sea provides you the fish, and in the, and the, in the, in the aquaculture activity, uh, you have to provide the fish, you care of the fish, and then you harvest it. The fishing activity is at the central point of the economic activity in Chile. Uh, just to have an idea, uh, in the fishing activity in Chile, uh, we have mainly two stakeholders. Uh, the small-scale fishermen, uh, which in Spanish is called el pescador artesanal, uh, and then we have uh, the fishing companies or the fishing industry. Uh, we, we, we see there the big boats, uh, the, fish, the, the big fishing vessels. Uh, they have different special regulation, and in some activities, there is a quite uh, uh, a complementation between them. Huh? Uh, industrial fishing activity has not been affected by the pandemic, probably. Uh, they have continued operating without major complication, but with the strict um, health protocols due to the COVID-19. Um, the one that have been most be affected uh, f uh, due to the COVID are the small-scale fishermen who have been affected in their distribution uh, chain, something similar to uh, the word, the short term that we know as Oreca, hotel, restaurant, catering, uh, because they are the ones that deliver, normally deliver uh, products from the sea uh, directly to restaurant uh, sector that has been absolutely paralyzed by the pandemic, uh, not only Chile, throughout the whole world. Okay. Salmon agriculture, has continued uh, to work smooth, smoothly. Huh? What has impacted them uh, is the international salmon prices. As in Chile, the pandemic has affected the areas of restaurants and hotels. Uh, the same happened uh, uh, throughout the world. Uh, so they, they don't have to provide uh, more salmon uh, because the prices are very, very low. Um, on the other side, I believe that the great challenge that we have in, this, in these industries is to generate a graded added value from the small-scale seafood and fisheries. Uh, I think uh, that is one of the things that we have to care on. Uh, I'm absolutely confident that as soon as the small-scale fishermen manage, manage to get directly to, uh, with their products to the best res restaurants uh, abroad, uh, then we will have taken an important step uh, in this kind of industries. Um, this is the, there is the challenge today. Uh, I think the regulation must go looking that aim. Uh, the fishing and agriculture industry, as well as many other, are very healthy and attractive industries to invest in. We have uh, good foreign investment tools, 
uh, and in the aquaculture industry, there are many foreign investors, uh, mainly because we have an investment instrument that provides securities to investors. Uh, the other key point is that Chile has a quite advanced regulation that allow the sustainable work in the fishing and, and, and in the agriculture areas. Uh, both aspects makes uh, these industries very attractive to invest. I don't think that we have outcomes in, 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 in investing uh, abroad from companies in Chile. Uh, I, I see an expansion of uh, the commerce of uh, Chilean products more, more than that. Regarding the investments in the tech industry in Chile, I would recommend investors to look for the Corfos Startup Chile programs and also the C Santiago Smart Cities program, which has, even though in, in, in this pandemic situation we're living, they're facing having good programs to, to, for the promotion of investment in, this, in these areas. So these two tools are a well and worldly renowned regarding the, the promotion for, for investment. And I would totally, I would totally recommend for anybody looking forward to invest not only in Chile, but also in Latin America to start uh, with uh, Startup Chile and start with C. Santiago to move forward into other countries, such as Colombia, Peru. So I, I would definitely recommend them to, to look into in Startup Chile, Corfos programs, and C. Santiago. We'd like to go beyond your areas of expertise for a minute as well. Um, Mario, could we start with you? What are some sectors you see as worth keeping an eye on for international companies that are looking to Chile? Well, more than an, uh, a different sector or industry that we should be looking at, um, I would definitely um, say that um, we have to keep an eye on environmental regulation. Uh, the environmental legislation in Chile has been developed for production industry um, quite a lot. Um, we understood uh, as a Chilean um, citizens a number of years ago that the need to take care of the environmental and particularly today, June 5th, uh, which is we celebrate the International Environmental Day, um, and we celebrate with a, with a great slogan um, to reduce carbon emission in the world. Uh, the importance of this in the fishing and in the, and the, in the agricultural industry uh, is very clear to the extent that we have a clean activity, environmentally friendly and sustainable salmon for production and fishing process for the future. Uh, we will be delivering products that will have a worldwide recognition for their consumption. So it's very, it's very clear uh, the effort that we have to do in this um, regulation in this area. Um, taking into consideration also that uh, the world population is increasingly seeking a healthier diet uh, that will cause less harm to the environmental environment in which we live. And it seems to us that Chile has made a great efforts uh, to get that aim. And Juan, what do you think we should keep an eye on when we're looking at Chile? One of the more, most important things to understand about technologies is that technologies are not an, an end by itself. They're tools for, for the different industries to be more efficient, to be more productive, and to create new business models. 
So one of the one of the things I would recommend definitely is to look into how uh, how the uh, agricultural industries uh, are needing for 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 more uh, investment in in the use of technologies uh, to be more productive in this in these times, and also definitely how the use of technologies can help the mining the mining uh, industries which requires a constant and permanent investment in in in, in innovation and, and, and research and innovation investigation to be more productive and efficient so i i definitely would watch into agricultural and uh the mining industries right now. Looking ahead to the future, let's say uh, 10 years from now, maybe a, a little bit beyond that, uh, I'd like to ask the two of you, where do you see Chile and, and South America more generally? For, for some time now, I, I think many of us have, have looked at Chile as something of an exception uh, rather than the rule when it comes to economic development in, in South America. But I, I wonder if perhaps um, over the next decade, going into the one after that, we might start to see other countries uh, looking more like, like Chile and, and less like the, like the stereotype we have of, of, of Latin America. Uh, obviously, this is going to be, um, or, or if this were to happen, we, we would still have something of an unequal uh, landscape with, with, with some uh, economies still uh, stuck in, in, the, in the low income um, range. Uh, but at the same time, uh, looking uh, with having the continent look a little bit more like Asia, where you have some highly developed economies, some that are uh, somewhere in the, in the middle of the path, and and some that are that are still in, you know, in, in the very very much in the developing developing stage. Um, so I'd like to hear your thoughts about uh, how optimistic or not are you about the future of the region, and of course uh, Chile in particular. I'm I'm very optimistic about uh, what the following years will will bring us. Uh, both in Chile and as a, as a region, mainly because uh, I believe that what the the coronavirus pandemic forced us to do is to reinvent uh, our economies, uh, to reinvent how we have to deal in a world in which we have to to continue moving forward changing the social codes we, in which we were used to uh, function and to, and to work with. And mainly that it forced us to change the understanding on how social relationships uh, work as a, in a society. So we're facing, we're facing uh, challenges in which we have to do business without seeing each other physically, without giving our hands, uh, without having a coffee to get, get into more depth, 
uh, in our conversations or negotiations. Uh, and we have to face challenges in which we have to take care of, of citizens that do, do not have the, the tools in some situations uh, to, to, to make a living. You know, to to work out and do things. So, so the the, the main thing that that forces uh, the the pandemic the pandemic situation is that uh, it undoubtedly it will make us rethink on how we do business, on how we do uh, social relationships on how we do political and public agenda for the best development of society. We have a, a opportunity to reinvent how, how relationships at all level uh, must be done for a future. So I believe that brings a, a, a unique opportunity to reshift on how we can do we can create strategies for uh, for more participation in the social wealth and in the social development and the social uh, strategy uh, decision making for the for the whole society. Uh, that said, it will force to new kinds of relationships between countries. It will force into new kind of relationships between industries. Uh, I am not one of those who think that, that the markets will, will close and, and will be more focused just into the internal consumption of, of goods. I believe that nevertheless, we have some complicated situations. The open markets in an open worldwide uh, business community is the answer. For, for doing business and for economical uh, growth for the for the countries and I believe that 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 is what the the, the, the political agenda is ha, has not moved in, in in any way here in the in the region uh, it's very interesting to see in in the tech in the tech area, uh, to see the development of Colombia, of Peru, uh, or, uh, countries that are following uh, steps of, of, of things that we have done priorly here in Chile, and I believe that, and I believe that, that in in all situations will will be facing a more a more um, a strong region. Uh, we were facing more uh, inter inter uh, intermarket opportunities for for development. So I'm I'm very 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 optimistic that 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 our political authorities, the businessmen, will 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 take the opportunities of reshifting the 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 business model, the social model, to to face uh, the, the, the different challenges that we'll have to, to the next years? Well, from my side, it's, um, it's a hard question, Fred. And um, 
having said that, I, I, I must agree with the, with the, with what, uh, what Cristobal has addressed recently. Um, let me let me focus more in Chile, uh, other than the continent, the South American continent. Uh, I would like to see Chile more likely to be in a similar position to an Asian country. Uh, South America is a continent with uh, countries that have many economic and cultural gaps, while tremendously rich in natural resources. Um, they have other problems rather than political and social order which prevents them from moving forward in areas necessary for the stabilization of countries like education, health, work, uh, infrastructure, race, the poverty. Um, Chile has managed to move faster, perhaps the need to open itself to the world and other markets than the internal market in the continent um, puts Chile in a different position. Uh, uh, it seems to me that uh, at some point we understood the need to provide certain assurances for the development of productive activities and, and having solar pillars for this. Uh, that is why we have a strong investment instrument, clear labor or employment protection status, tax systems compatible with other markets, I mean double taxation agreements or treaties, uh, and investment protection agreements with other countries, uh, with Asia, particularly China, for example. Um, but we have a challenge. Um, we have a big, big challenge. Uh, we, we should not forget that we live in a neighborhood uh, where the various difficulties of, uh, uh, of our neighbors can affect us, um, such is the case with the immigration, for example. A very strong trend in recent years and, and where our country has to adopt many changes in its immigration policies. So, uh, in my opinion, this is a very challenging situation. Uh, we we focus to internally to our to our continent, or we open to the world. I think the the answer is opening to the world, but uh, we have to be very careful uh, of uh, living in, in in a continent uh, with huge problems uh, to our neighbors. We'd love to talk for a minute about China. China is Chile's largest import and export trading partner. Uh, Mario, could you talk a little bit about um, what uh, China, how Chinese businesses are involved, uh, you know, either as buyers or sellers uh, within Chile? And uh, I'm especially interested in learning a little bit about the, uh, the fishing and, and aquaculture territories as well, because uh, I know those are uh, near and dear to China's heart to be uh, involved in all things seafood. Right. Yes, we have a lot of uh, trade with China. Um, the trade with China has been increased during probably the last uh, 20, 30 years. Um, I remember the decade of the 90s here in Chile uh, with um, President Frey at that time. Um, he increased uh, a tremendous trade with China at the time. Um, the time. At that time, Chile opened to the rest of the world. Uh, politically, um, commercially, uh, with, the, uh, with a increase in the tourism, etc. Um, China, um, in, in, in my areas of expertise uh, in fishing and in, in the agriculture area, um, is far away from us. Um, they have um, a lot of years of experience. Um, they started with the agriculture uh, activities uh, uh, years years ago. Um, they have a lot of um, 
fishing activities. Uh, probably is one of the tenth countries with more exploitation of the of the sea uh, with the fishing uh, resources. Um, and uh, the, the the agriculture activities, um, shrimps, for example, uh, different products that they provide. Um, are in Chile, you can find streams from China in our country. So we have a lot of um, uh, trade with them. Uh, the salmon industry provides a lot of salmons to China. Um, huge clients can, come from China. Uh, then in, in another in another sector uh, in the in the I, I know that this would like to you, Fred. Uh, the the wines sector. Um, it's in, it has been tremendously increased uh, during the last years. Uh, we have a lot of trade of the main vineyards here in Chile, uh, and the position that they have in China is huge. Uh, so I, 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 I still think that China is uh, an important uh, partner for Chile, an important uh, trade partner for Chile. Uh, we have to increase that uh, economic um, activities. Um, and we have uh, tools that uh, protect and uh, and allows us to increase the trade, uh, like the APIs, uh, the agreements of protection of investment. So um, I don't know. I, I think so. we have a China still still challenge challenging us to increase our trade. Hmm? I, I believe that one of the things that are very interesting about China. On how we will how we will continue tightening our relationships with them is the the musical code that there that it's in discussion that will definitely make some shifting on how the on how their legal the legal system reflects the more participation of of privates in both their economies and to in their relationships to other countries economies. So I believe that that's a very good, very good uh, move from 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 China, and that it will it will help uh, in help in, in in enabling new kinds of relationships and to enter into new new business models to develop with new partners that can have worldwide. Juan, Mario, this has been a fascinating conversation. I have really enjoyed listening to your perspectives uh, about not only what's happening in Chile, but about prospects for the for the for the entire region. Before we we say goodbye, I would like to take this opportunity to to ask the two of you um, about what you are reading or listening or watching these days. Uh, one of the things we we like to do on the podcast is is help our our listeners get uh, not not only not not only content through the podcast itself, but also help them uh, tune in to to other interesting material. So perhaps um, uh, Juan and then Mario and and Jonathan, you as well, uh, please please share with us what what um what you are uh, finding interesting these days. Yeah, I, I would recommend uh, a book from from Roberto Cami, who is one of the tech entrepreneurs from here in Chile. It's called Piensa al revés, or the Think the Other Way Around, so, something like that. Uh, it's very interesting because uh, Roberto is uh, 
he was the founder of, of an app called Map City here in Chile. And he's one of the, the successful cases of, of tech entrepreneurs who, who, who did a, a good exit of his company. And, uh, and well, this book is very interesting because he he's uh, making this the statement and and calling and calling for for people doing business in the tech industry to change the way they understand and they see how business are made you know and i believe that's uh, and, and to start thinking the other way around so like to dramatically change the way you were looking business and doing business and understand that we're facing uh, facing a, a new world, a new situation, which makes a lot of sense uh, nowadays. I believe that that is one of the challenges, the, the biggest challenges to everybody in the tech industries because uh, one one of the, the, the problems we were facing uh, was that we were getting really used to do things the same way uh, through years and years and years. And now we will have to start getting more innovative and to to start thinking uh, out of the box and not only for the ones doing business but also us that's a challenge for us as lawyer giving them counsel on how to face their 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 own their own business and this new scenario so that's my recommendation Alberto Camis Piensa al Revés book which is in Amazon Sadly, all in Spanish, but you can take it as an opportunity to practice your your Spanish as well. When you live in time, in not normal times, in time of crisis, um, that the one where we live, we live last year, and the one that we are living now uh, with the pandemic, um, one usually uh, looks for some answers, um, and then we we like to investigate and 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 look at some researches um, according to the, the issues that uh, are raising uh, in our country. Uh, but I like to see CNN articles, TV programs um, uh, in connection with, uh, with the pandemic, in the connection with the uh, social protest, etc. So um, that is basically what, I, what I'm doing in these abnormal times. Um, but let me, let me suggest uh, two readings that I think are interesting uh, for these unnormal times. Um, the first one is um, there's an interesting re research um, uh, that helps you to, to understand the social problem in Chile. Um, that is called Inequality Research from the program of the United Nations for Development. Uh, in Spanish, uh, it is called Desiguales, Orígenes, eh, Cambios y Desafíos de la brecha social en Chile, del Programa de Naciones Unidas para el Desarrollo, 2017. Uh, this is very interesting uh, research. It's a very, very interesting work um, and, and will probably provide you a, 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 a look at the problem in Chile uh, far from this time, um, from, any, uh, from any, many, many years ago. Uh, and the other uh, reading that I would I will like I highly recommend you. Um, um, it's a novel. Huh? It's always interesting to read novels. <laughs> but uh, looking at what is happening in the U.S. right now, 
um, uh, I was reading at that time The Plot Against America. It's a novel of Philip Roth. Uh, and it's interesting and to see the similarities that uh, the problem in the U.S. Uh, is living now uh, with what Philip Roth addressed in that book, uh, even though it's a bestseller. It's very interesting. There are some connectors uh, that may help you to understand the problem in the U.S. On my end, I've been keeping tabs with, uh, with things going on in Hong Kong. And so I recommend this South China Morning Post article on reporting on the Tiananmen vigil. Uh, it's 31 years since uh, the Tiananmen massacre. And uh, a lot of people gathered, it says several thousand people gathered in Victoria Park and Causeway Bay uh, on peaceful candlelight protests uh, to commemorate the, the deaths of those people who were protesting in, in 1989. And I think as uh, I'm reading that as an interesting backdrop to the current social unrest in the U.S., um, as we discussed in Chile as well, it, it, um, this is what people do when when they're dissatisfied with the government and they and they don't know what else to do, right? I mean, one thing is to show solidarity together. So I was interested that uh, you know even with the backdrop of coronavirus, um, the police did not disperse this peaceful crowd, um, even though it was not authorized uh, by the police, and so. Um, and this was also in the backdrop of the uh, Hong Kong legislature passing a law criminalizing disrespect for China's national anthem. So I, I, I don't know if I consider this progress or just a lull in what's happening in Hong Kong. But um, yeah, as Fred and I discussed, we both lived there and so very interested in, in what is happening there and, and how that impacts the way I think about what's going on in, in, my, in my nation as well as others around the world. Fred, what do you recommend for us? So my recommendation has, um, it, it's also a novel. So, so in that sense, uh, I am, I echo what, what Mario said about how you, the usefulness of, of novels sometimes in helping understand, helping us understand what's going on. And at the same time, it also has a, a, a connection to, to what Jonathan just mentioned. Um, and, and by the way, I, I, um, Shortly after I moved to Hong Kong in 2007, I actually attended the, the annual vigil in memory of the, of the victims of, of Tiananmen. And, and, and it was a very, very uh, emotional uh, experience, right? And, and, and there was something very, very special, uh, I thought, at the moment about being able to, to um, manifest uh, uh, ourselves, you know, I mean, I'm including myself in, in, in the group at that, at that point in, in that way. And, and looking back, right, from where we are now to, to that moment in time, it's, it, it is just striking to see how, 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 how things have, have, have changed. Um, so my recommendation is, is a classic. It's 1984 by, by Orwell. I, I read it when I was, a I forget when, but, you know, certainly when I was in, high school or maybe even, yeah, let, let, let's, let's just say high school. And, um, as often happens, you know, you forget about a lot of, of the content and, and you begin to appreciate it differently. Um, I, I found myself thinking a lot about the book. Um, so I decided it was, it was time to, to, to reread it. And it's, it's, it's been a, an amazing experience so far. There is so much, uh, there, there's such a wealth of, of, um, 
reflection there, so many phrases that really resonate. Part of that has to do with what I am seeing happening in China and, and of course, uh, Hong Kong as well. Uh, some of some of the things you, when we look at the the response of the authorities in, in China and Hong Kong, sometimes I feel that the only way to really understand or, or begin to get a handle on what's happening is really to 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 look at at that reality, which which I think 1984 captures very well. I also find some relevance to to some of the things that are happening here in the U.S. as well. We're we're dealing with a very complex relation, uh, sorry, a very complex situation with many different strands. But one of the things that, that I see in the country that sometimes troubles me is, uh, as, as someone who is a, a very strong advocate of free speech, I'm, I'm always very concerned with anything that begins to resemble censorship or pressure to, to conform to, to particular ways of thinking and particular ways of, of speaking in particular. So looking at it from that angle, uh, it, it's giving me a, a whole new perspective on, on, on the book. So, you know, I'm sure a lot of our readers will have read it at some point, but if you are like me and you haven't, and it's been, you know, 30, 25 years since you since you read it, uh, highly recommend that you go back and, and take another look. And fortunately, um, you know, going back to the issues with IP, it, enough time has passed now that there are um, copies in the in the you know it, it's in the public domain at least in some countries, so it's not difficult to find a, a free version online. So again, 1984. And with that, I would like to. Once again, thank Mario and Juan for 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 being on on the podcast. Uh, really appreciate you taking the time to to talk to us, and we hope to to have you both uh, as guests uh, once again in the future. There is a lot that we can that we can uh, look at. Hopefully, hopefully in in a few months or a year, we can look back and and, and look at look back at, at this interview from. From a better place, both uh, both here in the U.S. and Chile and, and worldwide, really. So once again, thank you. Thank you for the invitation. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, it's been a pleasure to share time with you uh, to speak about uh, a little bit of what we have here in Chile. And I'll, I, I let me say that I will take the recommendation to reread books. I think it's it, it's it's very good um, to. Uh, take some times and and then, uh, and then reread a book with a, the other point of view. Uh, I think the years gives you the experience to uh, understand different positions in the books, uh, in the novels especially. Thank you for for the invitation, and it's going to be a pleasure to participate again in our in another one in the future. Huh? Thank you both. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. We look forward to connecting with you on social media to continue to discuss developments in global law and business. And tune in next week for another episode. We'll see you then.